What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling with y'all. As always, first weekend preview show of the season, week one of the college lacrosse season. I guess it's the second weekend preview because we did have one game last weekend. But uh, first big preview episode uh, that we've done this season, obviously, with week one on the horizon. Things getting underway tomorrow night uh, or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. So Friday night, things get underway with Duke and Robert Morris. If you've not... uh, if you missed it, we previewed both Dukes, uh, both of Duke's games this weekend on Tuesday's episode. So today we'll preview. I've got three more games to preview here, week one of the season on today's episode. But before we get to that, I uh, do want to mention two newsworthy items that, that, that have come out this week. Um, both both somewhat, well, both, I guess, pertaining to conference realignment. So th- there's been a lot of conference realignment talk in college lacrosse um, over the past few weeks or past year or so. Um, obviously, we, we know the America East is losing Stony Brook. The MAC is losing Monmouth. SoCon losing Hampton. They're all going to the CAA. On, it was Wednesday, the America East announced that Stony Brook would be ineligible for postseason competition because they are leaving the conference. Um, This is not unusual. This kind of thing happens all the time in various sports um, when teams announce that we're leaving the conference at the end of the year. Uh, last year in the MAC, if you will remember, Detroit Mercy could not host the MAC tournament. So if they would have got that number one seed, they could not host because they were leaving. They left the conference at the end of the year. Now in the A Sun, um, this is a bit uh, different than that. Where they are straight up saying, Stony Brook, you cannot compete in our postseason because you're leaving the conference at the end of the the year. Now, I don't expect Stony Brook to go run the table this year. Um, And really, that's the only way they could get into the NCAA tournament. If if they run the table, let's say they go undefeated in, in the America East, and they win the conference regular season wise, they should be the number one seed. They don't get in because of this stupid ruling. Okay, that is probably the only way they get into the NCAA tournament. With the America East, how tight it is, especially at the top, I do not see any team in that conference running the table. Um, you know, if any team is close enough to do that, talent-wise, it's probably Vermont. It's not Stony Brook. You know, it, it's hard to see Stony Brook doing that. Um, and so for that reason, you know, they are probably out of luck in terms of making the NCAA tournament, which they haven't done since 2011, I want to say, is the last time they've made it. 
And as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast too, Stony Brook has lost in the conference semifinals like the past seven seasons. Like it's insane that they gotten there, lose, get there, lose. Uh, they're trying to get over that hump, trying to get back to the NCAA tournament, uh, which I mentioned they have not done in about a decade now. Um, when you had Rick Sol there. Uh, so this really is just, in my opinion, a, a terrible decision. And um, another instance where, you know, the old men in suit and ties are making decisions for uh, the athletes there on the field um, who had nothing to do with the decision to leave the conference at all. Um, and by the way, this doesn't just affect Stony Brook men's lacrosse. This is women's lacrosse. This is all spring sports. Um, they, they will not be able to compete in the America East postseason this year. Stony Brook Athletics is not a- able to compete in the postseason in the America East mm-hmm. because... Old boys in suits and ties decided things are better off in the CAA for us. Okay, America East reacts. Well, we're going to punish your athletes, uh, which, again, is completely unfair. It makes no sense. Um, Logically, it it makes no sense. I understand it from the standpoint of, you know, you're not faithful to us, whatever you want to call it. And I do understand it from a sense of there is precedent of this happening before. So, you know, to to the guys in the boardroom there in, in the America East offense, office, um, this doesn't sound that radical. Um, but, you know, those guys, how often do you see them, you know, boots on the ground, going to these schools, going to practices, um, talking to these athletes, I, I don't know. Um, but j- just, just a stupid decision all around. Absolutely stupid. Um, re- really, really hate it for those guys at Stony Brook because you know they're a team that certainly, um, certainly has the ability to make the postseason in the America East. They're a team. They're one of those top teams in the America East coming in, into the season. Um, they, they very much have a shot at being in that title game. Uh, they very much have a shot at, you know, possibly trying to de- dethrone Vermont. Uh, you know, Stony Brook, Vermont, uh, Albany, and UMBC are the top four teams there in that conference. Um, and, and that's what the, the postseason looked like last year. I expected before this, that's what the postseason was going to look like again this year. Possibly um, not going to happen. I think Stony Brook did announce they've submitted an appeal or, or something of that nature. Uh, or they, they, they will look at all avenues uh, to make sure that they can participate in the postseason, that their athletes can participate in the postseason. Um, and, you know, calling this just an, uh, an unfair, unjustified uh, penalty on them. Uh, so hopefully. Um, things are changed, but as of right now, uh, Stony Brook is out of the America East postseason. Um, 
and suddenly that has huge implications uh, for lacrosse. On the other front here with the uh, conference realignment stuff that's been going on, we saw a report from USA Lacrosse Magazine. Um, I think I guess this was Wednesday as well, maybe Thursday today. Oh no, no, no it, it was Wednesday where they looked at possible, um, uh, it, it was reported that the A-10 was possibly leaning into adding um, lacrosse. And the Atlantic 10, if you did not know, already has multiple um, schools that are full-time members that play lacrosse. Richmond, St. Joseph's, St. Bonaventure, and UMass. Um, So all they would need to do is add two teams in there, and they would get that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. So you add two teams in there, you get that automatic bid. Um, That is literally all you would need to do in the Atlantic 10, and um, there are some schools that you could target uh, lacrosse-wise that already, you know, you wouldn't have to have two schools at lacrosse. Like, you wouldn't have to have Rhode Island at lacrosse, although that would be a good addition there, (laughs) Um, but you wouldn't need that. Um, Hobart is a possible target, according to this report, uh, again, from uh, USA Lacrosse, uh, Jeremy uh, Fallis, I believe how you pronounce that, uh, did this reporting on this article here. Uh, Hobart, Fairfield, and High Point. High Point is a Southern Conference member in lacrosse. They're a member in the Big South and everything else. Um, Richmond, also a uh, SOCON member in lacrosse, but as I mentioned, a full-time member in the Atlantic 10. So if the A-10 does add lacrosse, um, and you get Richmond and High Point. I think those are two big additions. Obviously, UMass is is the biggest name addition there. If they get that, St. Joseph's is a strong program. St. Bonaventure, a growing program uh, there under Randy Mullins. Uh, Fairfield also mentioned as a possible team that they could add as well to give them uh, seven teams there. Um, in the Atlantic 10, if there was some uh, movement there where the A-10 does add lacrosse, which that conference is one that I've been, and many others have been looking at for years and saying, like, they can do it. That that, that is the the one conference that, you know, you look at across the Division I landscape, why don't they have lacrosse? The Atlantic 10 has been at the forefront of that conversation. Um, also in this report uh, concerning the MAC, so let me just put this out for you. If you if the Atlantic 10 does add lacrosse and you take High Point and Richmond away, Hampton is leaving after this year, the SOCON is left gone, and I do think the SOCON is probably going to go away after this year or the next two years. I don't see um, 
I don't see much of a future for the SOCON. Um, you know, I, I hate to say that. I like, uh, you know, that that alignment that there was in the SOCON. It was a good conference. Obviously, Richmond and High Point being the top dogs there. When Air Force was there, it was strong as well. It's been an exciting conference, but um, I, I don't see the SOCON surviving this next round of conference expansion, uh, where uh, not expansion, realignment, where it does look like we're going to shrink the number of conferences, possibly, or just have some substitutions there, um, if you will. Um, so if that does happen, where High Point and Richmond go to the A-10, you have Jacksonville that just easily goes to the A-Sun because that's their full, that's their you know, home conference regularly um, there. But they did that alignment, so the A-Sun and the SoCon could have 6-6. Six and six. At least this year, they will have 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Did that alignment for uh, there where Jacksonville was able to stay in the SoCon. Air Force and Utah go to the A-Sun. You're able to keep those two Western teams together. Uh, that helps them tremendously with travel. So Jacksonville goes to the A-Sun. Richmond, High Point go to the Atlantic 10. The SoCon, you have two teams left there, VMI and Mercer. I have no clue what would happen with them. Um, you know, in this article, it is mentioned that the MAC is eyeing expansion as well. Um, they would lose St. Bonaventure if uh, the A-10 does add. They're losing Monmouth after this season. Um, you know, th there's a lot of different things that could happen with the MAC. Um, you know, this article mentions programs like a Bryant, a Sacred Heart, possibly um, going in there as well. Um, VMI used to be a member of the MAC uh, back in, I think it was until... It was the early 2000s, I want to say, up until like 20, up until they moved to the SoCon. So that would have been, uh, they went to the ASUN. So up until 2013, I believe, is when VMI was a MAC member. Um, you know, so that would possibly fit if they want to expand that Southern footprint. You could get Mercer in there um, as well. Uh, really, I, I don't know what Mercer would do. Mercer could just join the A-Sun, um, and so you have Mercer, Jacksonville, and Bellarmine as your three kind of uh, southern teams there in the A-Sun. You could have VMI go to the MAC. VMI joins the A-Sun. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different things that could happen concerning with those teams that are currently in uh, the SOCON that we just don't know what what's going to happen with them the, 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 the next couple of seasons. Um you know, this, th this article also mentions a Mount St. Mary's to the MAC possibility. Um, and then, you know, we know there are a couple possible D2 teams that will move up or would like to move up um, in the future. Lemoyne being one of them. Um, so, that's a possible MAC member, um, but really, it, 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 things are going to look a lot differently in conference realignment 
the, the next few years, um, especially so if we do see the A10 add lacrosse. And um, I, I do want to mention, because someone brought this up to me the other day, you know, Fairfield, they're actually a CAA member in everything but lacrosse. They're, they, excuse me, they, they are a MAC member in everything but lacrosse. Uh, they're a member of the CAA in lacrosse. So, you know, would 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 the MAC still? I mean, I mean that's the easiest one to to move over because you're already there. I, I really I, I don't understand exactly why they never joined the MAC when the MAC added lacrosse. Um, but you know, they've just been in the CAA forever. So uh, that is a possibility that they move back to the MAC. Uh, but really, it, it does look like th- th- there's going to be some kind of realignment there in the MAC. There's going to be some kind of realignment there with teams. Uh, th- th- there will have to be uh, with teams currently who make up the SOCON. Um, but th- the next few years for sure are, are going to be a you know very, very interesting, interesting uh, times conference realignment-wise, um, and how things shake out. You know, I, I've i had some people ask me, you know, do we really need all of these conferences? Um, is it, 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 and look, I think, I think it's probably better to have more conferences than to have fewer conferences with 10, 11, 12 members. I'm a fan of expanding the NCAA tournament, not not overly too much. Like I don't want everybody in there, but you know, I'm a fan of expanding it a little bit more. Uh, maybe having another because uh, I think we might be back to two play-in games this year. Um, I know we did it a few years ago, but possibly having two or three play-in games. Um, I'm a fan of expansion in that regard of the NCAA tournament. You still want to make it so that. It's a reward, not just something that's given to you. Uh, you got to work for it, um, which, you know, that comes with the automatic qualifier bid as well. Um, and you would get more AQs if you do add more conferences. Um, so I, I think possibly having more conferences with like seven, eight teams is better for the game overall than having you know, lesser conference, a lesser amount of conferences with, you know, 10 teams or 11 teams each. Um, and I think the MAC has 10 right now, and the Patriot League has 10. Uh, yeah, they have 10, I believe. It's 9 or 10. So we don't have that many big conferences. Um, obviously, the ACC has five, the Big Ten has six, but I think somewhere in that range, is kind of where we need to stay. So a uh, little update there, conference realignment-wise, uh, certainly going to be interesting to see how things go and uh, going to be interesting also in, to see who gets who gets left out, per se. Um, and I know that might be a, a term, you know, we, some coaches might say we were left out of this or that. Um, but, you know, that, that's something that's happened in the past. It's something that's happened very recently where uh, you've had some unhappy coaches 
about some moves. So that's also going to be interesting to see how things shake out, who's the winners, who's the losers of this new wave of conflict realignment that uh, seems to be you know, fastly approaching here in college lacrosse. Moving on to our game preview segment of the show. Um, just have a, you know, there are about, I want to say, eight games this weekend. Um, so, well, Saturday-wise, you have, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen games, fifteen total this weekend. Um, multiple that you can watch on stream, um, ESPN Plus, Big Ten Plus, ACC Network Extra uh, is where you know the majority of these games will be. Delaware, Hofstra. All streams. I don't know if those are free or not. Um, Hofstra's usually is, but they moved to a different platform, I know, this year. So I'm not exactly sure what uh, that is going to entail. So, but, but a lot of games, a lot of games this weekend. Um, not a whole lot of kind of uh, really like games to get up and get excited about. Um, oh, and I, I should mention the Penn State Lafayette game will not be streamed now. They had to move that to the ins, to the indoor. Uh, facility because of snow. Uh, same situation with Michigan and Bellarmine. Uh, they had to move that to Detroit Country Day uh, to the in- indoor uh, field ha- field house there. So uh, that was being played at the high school. So um, both those Big Ten games normally would have been on Big Ten Plus, not on that any- anymore uh, because of the inclement weather. Uh, really, just from just hitting this part of the country, um, literally, you see the you see the uh, like the radar. It's like from Arkansas to New York. It's just boom, covered um, all all weekend. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these games turn out, um, and if we do have any more scheduling changes. Uh, again, it's you know Thursday about five o'clock now, and we've had already had a couple announced the past few days. So. Um, we'll see, you know, fingers crossed that we get all these games in this weekend uh, with the weather. Um, you know, multiple of these schools do have indoor facilities they can utilize if needed. Um, but the games I'm going to preview today, uh, just three I'm going to go over uh, deep, deeply, and then I'll kind of give some tidbits about some other ones. So uh, Maryland and High Point, Virginia and Air Force. Utah and Denver uh, are the three that I will kind of go deep into. Uh, so let's start with Maryland and High Point. So the Terps starting the season against the defending SOCON champions. Uh, this one, along with Duke Vermont, is in contention for Game of the Week. Um, you know, Maryland comes into the season off the heels of a national title game loss. Um, and look, despite, you know, they lose Jared Bogenhart, they get back a ton of pieces on this team. Um, you know, they're a shoo-in uh, for the title game again this year uh, with just how much talent they return. You know, Logan Wisnowskis is going to be the new number one there. You have Daniel Maltz and Kyle, Kyle Long also there, Bubba Fairman. 
Um, just a really, really good offense. And I, I think I saw the other day there was an interview that Tillman gave where he was like, this is going to be a bit more offense by committee, which I, I think that's kind of a lot of what we see with Maryland anyway, just how deep they tend to be every single year. Um, you tend to see that a bit. Um, you know, Keegan Khan coming in there, it's going to be interesting to see how he works in that offense. Owen Murphy as well. There, Jonathan Donville, another guy coming in uh, from Cornell. Uh, so those three guys, how they work in this offense, uh, along with you know, Logan Wisnowskis being that new number one there for them, it is kind of what I'm watching for with with the Topes and, and just how things look. Obviously, first game of the season, don't expect you know, perfection by any means, but just how things look with this new look Maryland offense, if you will. And then again, how do these veterans that are returning fit into this unit as well? Um, I think Maryland is better defensively for sure than High Point. And I think they are better when it comes to in-between-the-boxes play. Um, that is where High Point at times last year got outworked, got outplayed, was in between the boxes. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch concerning not only Maryland but also High Point and just how does High Point, have they gotten any better at that this offseason? And again, it's against Maryland. I don't expect High Point to win this by any means, uh, but this is a good good team, a good mid-major program. I do expect them to at least put up a fight, at least in the first half. Asher Nolting, obviously the one man that you need to know there for the Panthers, um, you know, coming back for the fifth season, has been the leading point getter really, I believe, since his freshman season, um, or at least his sophomore season. He's been absolutely unstoppable in many regards there. Um with the Panthers, the, the the one thing I do think that if High Point is going to get any momentum, um, it could possibly be on the faceoff. Maryland, they you know, lose Justin Shockey. And when you look, you know, High Point wasn't a fantastic faceoff team last year. Um, you know, I expect them to be somewhere middle of the road again this year. Uh, but Maryland wasn't a you no know, super strong faceoff team, but they got it done, you know, when they needed to. Certainly, um, you know, and Maryland did, from what I've heard and from from what I've read, has struggled um, preseason wise against some teams in the scrimmages at the faceoff dot. Um, you know, is that going to matter too too much? Um, I don't know. That's going to be determined on how this high point offense, which, you know, is still pretty good, um, you know, with Ashley Holton coming back and with Braden Maia there as well. You do lose some guys, Kevin Rogers, but this is an offense that I still expect to be one of the top in the SOCON, um, a top 25 unit in the country. So this is going to be a good test. I think for both of these teams in many regards, high uh, Maryland, I think still, takes this one, um, you know, pretty easily, um, if not in in blowout fashion. Um, but, you know, High Point, uh, still 
a, a very good mid-major program that can give High Point, excuse me, that can give Maryland, uh, Maryland some issues there. Um, next game to go over here, the Virginia Cavaliers as they face the Air Force Falcons. And uh, this will be the debut of the back-to-back national champions and the debut of Matthew Nunes in goal for the Cavaliers. And that really, like, look, Virginia returns a lot. Like, they, they lose some good pieces there. Botron, Laviano, Docs Aiken. They lose a lot, for sure. But Connor Schellenberg is back. Matt Moore is back. Peyton Cormier is back. This offense, I'm not that worried about. I think we, 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 we know what to expect from them, especially as they get deeper into the season, as they progress. Um, you know, we know Cole Kastner, Scott Bauer, Cade Sostad. We know what to expect with this defense. Um, you know, I, I think for Virginia, the only two areas that I really have questions about how they're going to look is in cage. How, you know, how is Matthew Noons going to do in his debut? I know he's played fantastic in the fall. He's been strong in the scrimmages. But this is the real thing. Um, and look, Air Force, you know, th- this is not the Air Force that you saw, you know, back in 2016, 2017. This is not the, the – Air Force has not been the best program or, or the best version of themselves. Um, but they still have a, have a pretty solid offense there. Ethan Grandolfo, Brendan Krause. Uh, two guys there that, that can really sting it. Um, Aiden Tolan, another guy returning here. So this is still a pretty solid Air Force offense. Um, and look, Virginia is a team defensively, I think, that we've seen the past couple seasons maybe start a bit slower and then pick up the pace as the season goes on. Um, now, do I expect Virginia to lose this game? Absolutely not. I expect Virginia to win this one by, poss- by you know double digits. Um, at, at least um, here they did that, I think, was it last year or two years ago when they played the Falcons? They absolutely killed them. Um, I, I expect a similar, similar game from the Cavaliers here as well. Um, the one thing I will say with Virginia in regards to, you know, I mentioned Matthew Nunes. I want to see how he does in cage. But also I want to see what does this team do in the middle of the field. You lose Jared Connors, and look, Grayson Slade is a strong guy there at at the short stick defensive midfield spot. I think they're going to get a lot of opportunities uh, because of Petey Lasala at the faceoff dot, but the short stick defensive midfield spot, you know, you do lose some guys from a year ago. Slade is coming back, um, but what's that kind of surrounding group going to look like? Who's going to take over for that Jared Connors role? I think are the two things you need to look at with Virginia coming into this game um, as the champs, the back-to-back champs debut. I really, you know, for Air Force, I I really don't know exactly what to expect from this team. Um, They were a good team a year ago, um, but they, they weren't spectacular. And when I say good, I mean they were good in conference. They were terrible out of conference. Um, but, you know, they typically play a pretty strong schedule. Um, they scrimmaged North Carolina last weekend. Um, 
they scrimmaged Notre Dame as well. So, you know, they all, you know, prepped for playing uh, ACC play. So, you know, I say it's, it's probably going to be a double-digit win, but, you know, with, with the preparation that Air Force has had, um, you know, we'll see how things turn out. And, uh, again, it is February, and uh, weird stuff does happen in February. But, again, I'm, I'm expecting a Virginia win um, in this one. The last game I want to go over here, um, week one of the season, Denver and Utah. So this is a game last year that went one, it was a one-goal game. Um, It was a 10-9 game for uh, Denver in the win, and it was at Denver. So uh, now you come into the season, and this is a Denver-Utah game that is at Utah, and this is the debut of Craig McDonald, excuse me, of um, Andrew McMinn taking over for the Utes, Craig McDonald taking Andrew McMinn's former job, apologies there, Uh, but no, McMinn coming over, and this is his debut, Um, you know, I think Denver, top to bottom, is a better team, Um, but Tyler Bradbury, Jordan Hyde are two good offensive talents there for Utah. I, you know, I, I have questions of what they're going to do in cage. That's going to be interesting. Played a bit musical goalies last year, if I remember. And then Cole Brams um, is a guy who went 60% against Denver uh, out Stathakis last year in the opener. That one is you – know, that, that's the one, one area for Utah where I would say they don't have the upper hand. But where they do have some even, you know, you know, it, it, it's even keel there. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if Blams can do that again against a guy like Stathakis. And for Denver, look, this is a team they get Caleb Cuber and Richie Connell back uh, uh, to transfer, and Richie Connell to transfer in, in addition to Alex Simmons, Jack Hanna. Ted Sullivan, all back. We mentioned Stathakis. Um, this is an offense I think that's going to be pretty strong. You know, defensively, A.J. McKillio is your top guy returning. Jack Thompson has been a starter in cage since his freshman year. Um, had a 56% save percentage a year ago. Um, Jack D. Benedetto, Adam Hagelin there on, on the back end as well. I think this Denver team top to bottom is much better than uh, the, the, the Utes. Um, but there are some questions as to what this team's going to look like overall. We saw them last year with a number of transfers. and They don't have as many this year, uh, but they do have a couple um, coming in. And they were a bit slow to start the season. Is that going to be the case again? Um, and then I think the biggest question for, for, for Denver is, what is that short stick defensive midfield spot going to look like? You lose Danny Logan, you lose Kyle Smith. You can make an argument. Those two were your top, uh, you know, your most important players on, on your team a year ago. They did absolutely everything. And then at close, you lose Colin Squires, who's your top pole. So, yes, defensively, there was a lot of questions about Denver. What can they do? Um, and especially, I mentioned, this isn't a bad Utah team. This is a talented Utah team. Now, I think Denver is 
much more talented than them, but you get some fresh blood there on the back end. You get some fresh blood at that uh, D mid spot. You know, you don't know exactly how things are going to go. Um, we saw fresh blood come in last year, you know, not green, but by way of transfer. Um, and things were a little rocky to start the season at Denver. It, is that going to happen again? Um, you know, and, and of course, there was the like restrictions in the fall that played into that as well. You didn't have that this year. How much is that going to help? Um, I would assume it helps a lot that you don't have to practice in like uh, pods or whatever they did last year. I would think that helps a lot. Um, so I'm expecting a better game from Denver in this opener than we saw a year ago. Uh, but, you know, Utah got a new head coach, some new energy in there. Uh, we'll see how things turn out. A couple other games I wanted to kind of bring your attention to. So um, Rutgers and LIU. I expect Rutgers to take this one, but... Keep your eyes on Richie Lacalandra, attackman for LIU, was the Offensive Player of the Year in the NEC a year ago. 32 goals, 29 assists. And then Will Mark, the goalie, was the Defensive Player of the Year uh, in the NEC last season. 192 saves, 57% save percentage. Those two guys you know, run the show there for the Sharks. Uh, the biggest thing with Rutgers, I think this is a team that is still very good, despite some of the losses they've had. Coast being one of them there. Um, Charlotte and Beatties, Mullins, especially on offense. They get in. Rich Bartolo, Rodan Jacoby, Brian Cameron is there now, um, as he graduated from UNC uh, back in uh, December. So, you know, how much is he going to play not having practiced in, the, practiced in the fall? I don't know, uh, but still a talented guy there. Sam Steffen at the faceoff dot. Brad Apgar, Bryant Boswell on defense. These are guys that can come in and immediately play uh, with Rutgers. Um, again, they have to replace 165 points of offense. Uh, this is going to be their debut. This is the debut of, you know, as I said in my, you know, uh, Preview for this weekend. This is the de- debut of Transfer U. Um, can they continue this? Well, you bring in a, a boatload of transfers, um, and this is a lot more transfers than they brought in a year ago, by the way. So, can, can you bring in some transfers um, and and have success based off that? Can you continue that? That's going to be um, the biggest question for Rutgers, I think, all year, and we're going to get to see that. Um, you know, that debut of this new look, newish looking Rutgers team here on Saturday as they play LIU at a, I believe that game's at noon. It's a one o'clock game, one o'clock game, Big Ten Plus. I will certainly be tuned in to that one. Um, another game to look at here Johns Hopkins and Jacksonville. Uh, Connor Simone, Joey Epstein leading the way for Johns Hopkins. This is a team that really was much different late in the season than they were uh, to start the year. So that's going to be intriguing to see how how much more this Hopkins team has grown 
since that kind of hot ending to, you know, end 2021. Um, and then Jacksonville, look, they're looking to get back um, to the top of the SoCon. And this is a team that, you know, they do return a decent amount of talent, but they also were pretty sneaky, uh, you know, a, a sneaky good transfer class they brought in as well there. Um, you know, guys like Max Waldbaum, um, there, Luke Milken, Otto Bergman, two good goalies they brought in. Um, this is a sneaky good transfer class. And, um, you know, how they, you know, fit in with guys like Jack Dolan, Jeremy Winston, leading the way at midfield, Colin Hinton, Hinton there at D. Uh, you have Jason uh, Yoquinto coming back in cage. It, it's going to be interesting just right away, game one, to see, you know, how this transfer class fits in. Uh, with with the Dolphins, uh, as, as John Galway and his staff brought in a lot of pieces. Um, second game, I, I kind of want to mention here, uh, Navy and Mount St. Mary's. Uh, this was an 8-5 game a year ago. Um, really a, a game where Jackson Bonitz absolutely just like was like, and it was the opener as well, and, and Jackson Bonitz just kind of you know walked out there, said, I'm here. I'm one of the most exciting defensemen in the country. I'm a freshman. I don't care. Um, you know, and, and watch watch him certainly as a sophomore. Watch this Navy defense. We're going to get to see you know, who starts in cage for Navy um, as they do lose Spencer Reese. Uh, so that's what kind of watch for Navy, Mount St. Mary's. You are losing a ton of talent from a year ago. Uh, but, again, this is your first game of the season. Um, this was a game that was 8-5 a year ago. We'll see how things turn out this year. Hofstra, Merrimack, the other game I would mention here. Um, you know, Hofstra lost a ton of talent um, a year ago, but you get Brian Hobo back at the faceoff dot. Uh, so we'll get a look at this new look Hofstra team. Um, and then Merrimack is a team that I've said I think is wildly underrated. Obviously can't go to the postseason, but the Rooney brothers of Jack and Tommy there, coming back after combining for 67 points a year ago. As the top point goes, Henry Vogt uh, was a, a freshman last year starting in cage. You have Nicholas Perez Blanco was an all-NEC guy at pole coming back as well. Um, and this was a team last year as well as, in, in, yeah, last year um, that was fairly younger, um, on, on the younger side. Um, so we'll see how the Warriors come out in 2022 again can't play in the postseason but a team that i think very interesting one to keep your eyes on uh for sure and uh certainly there with hofstra just how are they going to look no no ryan tierney um you know brian mcintosh guy coming in from mount st mary's on defense you know brian hober there at the face off dot but very 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 um you know little returning from a year ago all right, folks, that is it for today's show. As always, you can find us on social media at Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. You can listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and plenty of others. You can also do so on the podcast tab on LacrosseBucket.com. Thank you all for tuning in. 
enjoy the weekend uh, that is to be the first weekend of week one of the college lacrosse season.